Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we are here today to welcome you to Minute Number 40. Brady, can you believe we've already made it to Minute Number 40? No, man. I can't believe it. This thing is just flying by. In no time, we're going to be at the midway point of the movie, and then at no time, we're going to be thanking everybody for joining us and moving on to... Uh, our next Movie Minute podcast, which uh, I think we're going to go ahead and tell everybody right now. Uh, it's going to be Jewel of the Nile Minute, right? That's true, yeah. yeah Jewel we're going to be Nile starting Minute. off with Jewel of the Nile and then possibly moving into Romancing the Stone mm-hmm. and uh, in that order. Yeah, and then yeah. maybe uh, Sahara after that and uh, you know Ishtar. And of course, we're joking. That isn't going to be what I happens next. I would love to see a third installment of the Jewel of the Nile series. Yeah, it seems like it's about time. It it's, seems it's, like it's, it's about time. I it, mean, it's time for another fun romantic adventure comedy. I mean, what was yeah. the last one we had? Six Days, Seven Nights? Six Days, Seven Nights, a Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. You yeah. know, I mean, we need another movie on par with Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Who is going to pick up the torch dropped by Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles? I know. I don't know. know. we got a fantastic minute to do today, and uh, we had a great time recording the Ghostbusters soundtrack uh, Patreon episode over the weekend. That was, I think... It, probably my favorite of all the ones we've done so far. I honestly think not just Patreon episodes. I think that is the best uh, episode that we've produced so far. If we made you know toot our own horn here. No, I would love to see um, the response and the reaction and reviews from everybody. Uh, you know, Patreon listeners or not. Um, so for anybody who who wants to hear that as well as all the other you know uh, really good shows that we're both really proud of that we've put out there as Patreon episodes, go become a subscriber. Uh, check them out and let us know what you think. Awesome. Well, you want to go ahead and get on into minute number 40? Because I know you have a lot of notes. I have a lot of notes as well. Yeah, it's going to be a jam-packed show. Hook it up. Jam-packed. Packed with jam. Here we go. Minute number 40. Now, in the previous minute, which would be 39... Oh, I guess I should say real quick, if you're coming to Ghostbusters Minute for the first time, just a little breakdown of what we do. We're going to recap the actual minute, the action that goes on in the minute. After that's over with, we'll throw out some trivia and have some general banter and back and forth about what went on in the minute. That's how we do the show a normal day-to-day episode. Sometimes we have special guests on, sometimes we don't. You and I did a special guest Last night. We did. We did, yeah. We were a special guest on uh, Two Minute Terminator. Ethan and Ellie over there were kind enough to have us on, and I have to say, that was a, an absolute blast. Yeah, they, those guys, man. They're, it's hilarious. Yeah, they're like so much fun. natural comedians, and then I think you and I have a good rapport, I think, and then the mm-hmm. two worlds colliding together just was like a perfect storm of just a really fun yeah, time. Two so. countries colliding, yeah. No, it's, it's great, and uh, covering... You know, Terminator Genesis is the movie that they're on right now, which is something I haven't seen. So it was interesting to get the three of you, um, you know, sort of filling me in on the movie and your take on it, uh, for better or for worse. And then, I don't know, being able to cover um, cover those two minutes. It was a lot of fun. Did you ever listen to the Seen Unseen podcast? No. It went off the air like in 2009. So it's been gone for a long time. But it was really cool. The format was that there were two guys who would review movies, two friends. One would see the movie. One would not see the movie. The guy who didn't see the movie would ask the one who saw the movie all these questions about it. And he had to field it. And then at the end of the show, the guy who didn't see the movie would, help, would tell people if they should go see it or not based on the enthusiasm and response really? he got from the other guy. Huh. It was a really cool, a cool idea. And I've kind of tried to ape a little bit of that into this show. Sometimes you and I talk about stuff that one scene and the other hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's a, it makes a, for a good conversation. But that was kind of fun for the three of us who had seen Terminator Genesis and then you who hadn't trying to describe to you <laughs> what was going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a, it was a really cool, really cool show. Ethan and uh, L over there, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So we'll let you guys know when, when that show is going to be up. And, uh, of course, uh, we have, I think we're going to have a, a really cool guest on this week. Brad from Cosmic Geppetto Podcast is finally going to be on. He specifically requested to be on when Winston shows up because Winston is his favorite character, as is for a lot of the listening audience. Winston, you know, is kind of the everyman character in 
in Ghostbusters, and he's definitely the most relatable out of everybody. So uh, Brad's going to be on uh, one of the episodes this week. We're not exactly sure which one just yet, but we'll drop that uh, on our Facebook group if you're out there checking that out. So anyway, all right. Now, after all of that, are you ready to get into minute number 40? Let's do it. Let's do it. Great. So in the previous minute, we saw the first half of the montage showing the success of the Ghostbusters on the rise, as well as the uptick in paranormal activity on the eastern seaboard. At minute number 40, we join Larry King in his first film debut, by the way, as he ends his report on the Ghostbusters, suggesting that some think that the Ghostbusters are actually behind the ghost sightings. At 40 minutes, 4 seconds, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters running through the ice rink at 30 Rockefeller Center. Someone who appears to be a security guard is running them down. At 4 minutes, 10 seconds, a mocked-up copy of Omni Magazine slides into frame. The cover story in the magazine reads, Ghostbusters, tools of the trade. On the right-hand side of the screen, Egon can be seen running out of a building, holding a smoking trap and yelling, I got it, I got it. Egon seems to be bothered by the amount of smoke coming out of the trap. At 40 minutes, 13 seconds, we cut to a shot of the Ghostbusters walking out of a hotel and being mobbed by a crowd of admirers. On the right-hand side of the screen is a copy of the Atlantic Magazine featuring the Ghostbusters in caricature form. On the cover, the cover story reads, The Politics of the Next Dimension, Do Ghosts Have Civil Rights? At 40 minutes, 20 seconds, the copy of The Atlantic slides right and wipes to a shot of the Ghostbusters running through the busy streets of New York City. The voice of Casey Kasem can be heard telling a story about the Ghostbusters busting ghosts at a dance club called The Rose. At 40 minutes, 30 seconds, we cut to a shot of Dana Barrett prepping a dinner in her still-haunted kitchen, listening to Casey Kasem on the radio. Casey Kasem is still telling the story of how the Ghostbusters took care of ghosts in a nightclub and then stayed t- around to dance with dancers. Dana is slicing celery and having a glass of wine as she listens to the story. As Kasem concludes, she laughs at the absurdity of the story. At 40 minutes, 39 seconds, we cut to a shot of Peter Venkman talking to a crowd of onlookers and reporters. He tells them 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, no job is too big, no fee is too big. He's cut off at 40 minutes, 44 seconds as we cut to a shot of the phone in Je- on Janine's desk ringing. The phone lines are lighting up. Janine asks the person on the phone, is it just a mist or does it have arms and legs? At 40 minutes, 49 seconds, we cut to a shot of a small Sony Triniton TV in Dana's apartment. On the TV is Ray, who is being interviewed by TV talk show host Joe Franklin. Franklin asks Ray, how is Elvis and have you seen him lately? Dana watches as she restrings her cello. Thus ends minute number 40. So Dana has two TVs in her she living room. She got another TV. What's up with that? Well, it's a little Sony Trinitron. So it's like one of those little tiny guys that you would put, like, usually in your kitchen or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, someplace out of the way. It's not really meant for people to get around and watch, but just to maybe keep you updated. You know, like a bathroom TV as you well, yeah, get ready yeah, in the morning yeah. or something. But it's not her gigantic Magnavox or whatever it was she had when she was doing sit-ups. You know? now, where did you find that information? Because I looked everywhere. I couldn't find anything on the TV. So it said Sony at the bottom, so I knew that. So I did a Google okay. search for Sony's TVs from the 80s and scrolled down through that and found that the Trinitron line was the one with the logo on it, which is the three little colors. It was like a blue, a green, and a it's red. It's a TV. I do remember the Sony Trinitron logo, the three colors, seeing that yeah. over and over. And it wasn't just the small TV in that line. Trinitron was a line of TVs they had of all shapes and sizes. But okay. uh, try searching for Sony television, and oh my God, you get uh, just a thousand different Google results you have to sort through to figure out what you're looking for. So, um, so we pick up with uh, the Larry King cameo. Yeah, which, and his, you know, first, his first appearance in a movie also. Really? Mm-hmm. No kidding. It was in Ghostbusters. Um, so he, uh, we start to get like our first glimpse of the fact that we're going to be seeing some interference from a human villain coming up with right. him saying like some say that they're the Ghostbusters are the cause of it all and later whenever we meet Walter Peck and the EPA they're saying that the Ghostbusters are inducing you know hallucinations through noxious gas, and uh, it's interesting that he's he's kind of dropping a hint that that's going to be coming in later. 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely seeding for that storyline later on, that the Ghostbusters could, in fact, be the ones behind everything. But you know, It's funny, because up until this point, you haven't heard anything like that. But it would be funny that all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's this uptick in ghost activity in New York, and all of a sudden, these guys show up to bust ghosts. You know, yeah. the human mind starts to connect dots. So, uh, whenever they're being chased out of Rockefeller Plaza, I've always heard that you can see a guy chasing them out because yeah. you're not allowed to shoot there. And they just sort of went, jumped in there in their costumes, started running out. I, I have never been able to see the guy, uh, the the security guard or whatever. It looks like there's a guy to the left of the screen who's kind of running fast and then he just kind of disappears. I don't know if he's running, kind of chasing him down and maybe sees the camera crews and realizes what's going on and stops. But you can tell that nobody around there is ready for them at all. That they're just kind of like, yeah. other people are looking at him like, wait, is that Bill Murray? Is that Dan Aykroyd and, and the guy who directed, uh, you know, Stripes or whatever running yeah. through here? Um, yeah, that's it's kind of a um, typical technique of independent film mostly called stealing a shot. Are you you're aware of this? Yeah. So stealing a shot is basically when you don't have permission to shoot somewhere and you kind of set up your cameras and just run through and get a candid reaction of stuff. You know, recently... Um the uh, the cast of the 2016 Ghostbusters, as well as the original crew, were on Jimmy Kimmel. And Bill Murray was telling the story about how they would do the stealing shots thing. And he said, no, we were actually stealing in these shots. So the guys <laughs> would, you know, they had their uh, proton packs and their wands and everything. And they would show up somewhere to get a shot. And people would say, like, oh, what are you, what are you here for? Because they look all official. And he says, like, well, we're going to have to confiscate this. So they would, like, walk away with, you know. And who knows if there's any truth to the story, but it was still. I imagine Bill Murray walks into your bodega in his Ghostbusters costume and says, hey, man, I'm going to take a Snickers. You'd probably just say, oh, okay, and just yeah. let him walk out with a candy bar. But I, I heard a story about how he went up to some guy one time in, like, a McDonald's or something and started eating the yeah. guy's fries and said, no one will ever believe you. You know, I'm curious about that if. I, I actually don't believe the guy. I think that's something that was made yeah, up and couldn't yeah. be vetted. It's like, uh, no one will, you know, there's no source to verify if this happened or not. So stealing a shot has kind of become a controversy as of late. Have you ever heard about the 2014 um, incident on the Midnight Rider, Greg Allman biopic? No. So it was, uh, it's really a tragic story. They were stealing, it's, they were uh, not a full-fledged large production. They were more like an independent production. And uh, it was kind of mandated at the top that uh, they steal a lot of shots to make the movie happen. So there's a dream sequence that takes place on a train track. Yes, that's right. Yeah, where there was like a bed set up. And it wasn't just on a train track, it was on a bridge. And they had the crew out there on the bridge with this thing. All of a sudden, a train starts coming the other way. So everybody from the... Uh, the shoot tries to run off the bridge, and unfortunately not everybody made it in time. A young woman was actually killed trying to escape the train. Well, hey, guess what? Uh, don't try this at home. Means something. So if you're going right, to shoot yeah. on a bridge, yeah. a train, you know, and this is all due respect to that entire crew and everything, and I'm, I hope the movie worked out and everything, but when you do something like that, you're taking an obvious risk. Yeah. And, uh, and there's, there's a big difference in like running through Rockefeller Plaza and possibly getting like ticketed or shooting on the middle of a bridge. Very dangerous stunt yeah, to try to pull off. Where yeah. you are, you know, I mean, the only way you can escape is to go down. So it's- I think film is one of those things that inspires a lot of passion in younger people who want to get involved with it. And what I'm trying to say here is nothing is worth your life. Yeah, In the 1980s, the Ghostbusters running through Rockefeller Center with camera set up to get like a funny re- crowd reaction shot. You're right. That is much different than what happened on Midnight Rider. But whenever I was reading about the stealing the scenes, that was one thing that popped into my mind. So, yeah. Well, um... One of the shots that they stole for this movie was... The, it's right after the shot of uh, Egon coming out in the Omnicore. 
Um, or shortly after that, where the three guys are running down the sidewalk or whatever, people are looking at him. And you can kind of tell that Bill Murray's trying to keep from smiling or whatever. It was the very first shot they got for the whole movie. Oh, really? And so they started it out with the guys in their uniforms with the you know logos on their arms and everything like that. So this sort of like viral marketing uh, started immediately, mm-hmm. immediately. And people would say like, what is that? You know, what are right. these three megastars doing? And they would just say Ghostbusters. You, and and you can see in the shots too of the Ecto One driving around that ever the crowds are just like, what is this? Like looking at it, yeah. and, you know. It's funny because you'd see something like that, and the movie wouldn't come out until like a year and maybe a year and a half later. And all of a sudden, you put together when you start to see the marketing for it, like, wait, wasn't that little that weird ghost yeah. symbol that I saw and stuff? I guess they were shooting a movie. So, uh, yeah. So Omni Magazine is the magazine that was shown for a second. Did you ever read Omni when it no, came out? No, I didn't. It was very cool. Omni was kind of like I like their logo. It's oh, it's a great logo. It looks it still looks like the future today. You know, but. <laughs> Omni was so cool because it was like a science fiction and technology magazine that talked about like futurist ideas, you know, but not like pseudoscience ideas, not like, oh, you know, if you eat five crystals a day, you know, it'll take care of your thetans or whatever. This was like actual like science ideas like, hey, you know, if we were to live on the moon, how would we deal with solar flares and stuff like that? And it had the science fiction um, like stories in it as well. But uh, yeah, it was published, I think, from 1978 until 1995. And I remember picking it up and reading it a lot when I was younger. But yeah, just the logo on the front and the kind of covers they had, like really inspired, you know, mm-hmm. they were really yeah. cool. Um, so in that shot, whenever Egon's coming out of the building and he's looking for Peter and Ray, there's a guy walking on the yeah, sidewalk. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, Joe Medjuk. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, the producer. And you also see him earlier in the library. That's right. By. Yeah, Joe Medjuk. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, we also have the Atlantic Magazine, uh, which has the caricatures of the Ghostbusters uh, like and and it has the uh, the quote the quote on the front of the magazine is you know good to ghosts have civil rights yeah so let's get into that for a second yeah and look this is something we've kind of touched on in a previous episode yeah uh, but it's an interesting topic go ahead do you think ghosts have civil rights you know <laughs> listeners send us your feedback and let us well, know I if know you think ghosts I, have civil I, rights. I, I want to know Brady's opinion yeah, do, yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. ghosts have civil rights do um, you think okay so do you think you, the rights that you have as a human being extend beyond the grave if you were to come back be forced back into the earthly realm okay well let's think about it like this mm-hmm. uh, Slimer is not really I mean sure he's like damaging property and everything mm-hmm. but um I don't know if that uh, if that's something that's carrying over from his like human earthly bound psyche. Right. Or if that's something that he's doing now. So if he's a glutton who just likes to eat food and he's going to do it uh, because he likes to do that and nobody can stop him, that's one thing. But what if he had an actual like eating disorder in life and like a mental illness that carries over beyond the yeah, grave? Yeah, well, you can't just say light is green, trap is clean. You yeah. need to break it down and say like, okay, well, he's not just going to go in our prison system here. We're yeah. going to have to uh, put him in some other sort of facility that's going to be able to help him through whatever ghost therapist that's what ghostbusters 3 should have been is the continuing idea of what's going on here they should have had a ghost therapy program where they they unbust ghosts bring them out of the containment unit and sit them down in a containment center everybody deserves a second chance yeah they do or in this case a third chance yeah but what if you know you signed a a mortgage on a house and you weren't able to complete it during your life you know or or you did pay it off and then you die are you allowed to stick around the house that somebody else has taken from you and sold like that's your property. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> so what if you uh, just sort of abandoned that whole process and left it up to your kids to worry about this whole, you know, paying off the mortgage and everything? Um, they're not going to really appreciate you hanging around in this house for free now. And that's You're true. You're the, the asshole who dumped all this on them. So what do they do? They call in the Ghostbusters to arrest your worthless ass and put you in the uh, containment unit. So your problem there is with the kids, the no good kids exactly. that just want to kick do mom and dad out of the house and take the house. Rights. That's the problem with millennials. They just I'm want to take, you, take, dude. take. No, I'm just kidding. God. 
So anyway, minute number 40. Yeah. Do you got anything else for this minute? <laughs> yeah, tons of stuff. Oh, come on. Let's hear it. All right. So we get uh, Casey Kasem's cameo. Yes. And he mentions that they had to go bust some ghosts at the Rose. Are you familiar with the Rose? No. Was the Rose an actual place? I thought it was like a stand-in for Studio f- uh, 54. No, no. It's actually a um, kind of like an old school dance hall thing where they still have uh, like kind of like live jazz and things. It's, it's um, kind of echoes, you know... I don't know, entertainment from like uh, the 1940s and whatnot. Oh, cool. It's in the Plaza Hotel, and it is oh, wow. actually... So it's an actual place. That's really cool. It adds to the like real-world aspect, exactly. to the New York aspect. If you're watching this movie and you knew what the Rosewood, or you, heard, or you maybe had heard about it before, it's like, okay, there's a real place in New York I yeah. can identify. This montage serves two purposes, and it does it perfectly. One is to update you on the uh, rate of activity that's going on right. in the movie, where these people are headed, and it also is tying this movie into the real world. I mean, you've got Larry King, Casey Kasem, The Rose, uh, Omni, you've got The Atlantic. All of these things are happening and connecting you to this movie and giving it that plausibility, that believability that wasn't initially there. It's doing three great things. It's moving the story forward. It is broadening the world, building the world. And then number three, it is highly entertaining. Highly it's entertaining. high energy. And you know, the, the, this is the great, the greatest version of the, of the Ray Parker Jr. Song, uh, Ghostbusters in the yeah. movie as well. Um, which, which we, uh, actually covered this. This is the version on the soundtrack. That's the instrumental version. It's the last track on the right. album, the one that they're using here. Yeah. So that's just, you know, I mean, you're, you're seeing filmmakers at the top of their game, great writers, great editors, Great director, and then of course your actors bringing all this together and uh, making you laugh. Like when Janine is talking about, you know, does it is it just a gas or is it a bomb in legs? Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> she's trying to figure out which category yeah. of spirit it is. Yeah. This montage is just a culmination of top of the game talent. Yeah, uh, just bringing it home, and it's it's I think probably maybe the most entertaining part of the whole movie. They don't for, do for montages me. like they used to do in the 80s anymore. No. You know? Well, now it's seen as like some kind of novelty. So if you see right. one, you're like, oh, look, it's a montage. I don't know who made it. Maybe it was like... Was uh, it South Park? T- Team America or something? Yeah, yeah. So that was from the yeah, South Park episode, dude. Aspen. Yeah, where they had yeah. uh, this... Uh, but but they're they're pulling out of the montage and kind of poking fun of it. It was really funny, but they kind of did ruin it after that. Like, nobody... You can't really go yeah. back to a montage anymore. I know. All right, so then we cut to... Uh, a shot of Peter explaining to a crowd of reporters, you know, no job is too big, no fee is too big. We're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he is um, covered in slime. Ray is in the foreground with his goggles on. And I can't help but think that this shot looks a little too set up for just one shot for a montage. I think this might be pulled from another scene or something. So if anybody does have the answer... To that, if uh, that shot was part of a longer scene somewhere, let us know. I got a feeling Chris over at Proton Charging is going to have the answer to that. Now, if anybody would, he would. So, so um, you mentioned earlier that Dana is watching TV while she's stringing her cello. On her Sony Trinitron. Yes. There you go. Uh, the talk show host is a guy named Joe Franklin. Yeah. So it's another one of those cameos that's coming from reality. Uh, Joe Franklin, that was his talk show, The Joe Franklin Show. It's actually the oldest talk show in, in television history. So is it still on the air right now? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no, he's since passed away. But um, but he was up until the point when it ended. He had the longest running talk oh, yeah. show. Yeah, From way longer back. than Charlie Rose, longer than Larry oh, yeah, King. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Very much. The scene was actually kind of extended. Uh, initially, he asks Ray, "How is Elvis? And have you seen him lately?" And Dan Aykroyd was going to respond, "Well, I have seen him, and he's lost a lot of weight." No. So, which would get a laugh and yeah. everything. But, um, I think it's better unanswered. I, I think so, too. Yeah, his little reaction. He, he gives his reaction, like, yeah. are you really asking me that question? <laughs> Joe Franklin does say something to him in the scene where he says, uh, and, you know, 
the uncut scene where he says, uh, you know, you guys remind me a lot of Bob Hope and Ghost Breakers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so. that's a little on the nose there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that pretty much wraps up minute number 40. Uh, it's a, Again, we're still in the montage. We're going to be, I think, three-quarters of the next minute are in the montage as well. It's um, it's a long montage, almost three minutes long. But it's it's fully entertaining, and you know we still have uh, what, at least one very memorable portion to go <laughs> through the next minute. So Yeah. yeah. It's, it's my favorite moment in the movie, I mm-hmm. think, is the montage. All right, that pretty much wraps up minute number 40. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff there. You know, a lot of stuff we went over here today, uh, you know, and I think we did finally close the book on the do ghosts have civil rights. I'm going to say yes, and you say consult your local attorney, right? Correct. All right, folks, well, thank you so much for joining us for Ghostbusters Minute today. Again, we're going to have Brad from Cosmic Geppetto on pretty soon. Uh, keep an eye on our Facebook page. We'll have the exact minute for you. And we got another Patreon episode coming up this weekend, uh, which we will reveal to you later this week. So, all right, well, Brady, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com. Facebook.com slash Ghostbusters Minute, Twitter.com slash GB Minute, and look us up on Instagram at Ghostbusters Minute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License. Mm-hmm.